Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let, let us pray. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your word you show us where life is to be found in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray in the midst of all the changing words of our generation we would now hear your eternal word that doesn't change. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see so we would respond in faith to live for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, if you're visiting with us or here for the first time, we are in the middle of a sermon series, a six-week series we're calling We Believe. And David Jones and I, uh, when we thought about what we wanted to do to start the year off in terms of our teaching series, we thought about doing this because this isn't really meant to be a theological survey of the foundational beliefs of Christianity, but rather we wanted to talk about and unpack for you some of the core convictions that fuel our mission as a congregation, as a church. And many of you are new to grace, so You've been asking these questions. What is this church about? What fuels this congregation? And we started in week one with the foolishness of the cross because we believe in this thing called the cross, that the power of God is made manifest in weakness because it was Jesus Christ who was crucified who has become our boast and is the basis by which we come together each week. Because in him, he has brought together people and things that would never come together otherwise. And it happened through his death and his resurrection. We also believe Jesus is our righteousness. That means that we are declared righteous. It's something that is said about us, a verdict that's passed about us by God when we are connected to Jesus. We're accepted, we're received, we're welcome because of what Christ has done, which allows us to get off of the performance treadmill in order to earn God's good graces to us. But that is actually something given to us in Christ. And last week, we talked about how 
We believe that the church is the body we need, that we are put into God's family in order to grow and to serve. And this morning, we're going to talk about the kingdom. You know, we're not just meant to gather together and grow as Jesus does his work of forgiving and renewing, but we say we are called to go out to live for a story bigger than ourselves to go out to live for a story bigger than ourselves. And maybe you're asking why, you know? And what you begin to see in the scriptures is when you come to experience the saving power of Jesus Christ in your life, you begin to realize something, that you have a purpose in life that you had not considered before, a new kind of hope, a joy, because for the first time you begin to understand God has a mission, that he has a purpose, And you actually have a role in what he is doing, bringing his kingdom into our world. And that means God doesn't stop at just having you saved from your sins if you're a Christian. That is actually just the beginning because he gives you a whole new orientation and purpose to your life. And you begin to understand how your story fits into his story that your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions begin to be redirected, reordered maybe, by your encounter with the living God. And this is pretty consistent with what we see in the Bible whenever someone experiences God himself and they sense, hey, God is bringing me into something. And this was the experience of the very first Christians. And the scriptures promise that this can also be your experience and mine. And we begin to live for a story bigger than ourselves. And this is one of the things that we are really committed to here at Grace, that we would be a church not just for ourselves, meaning we're not here just to create a little club for ourselves, bring people together who look just like us, think like us, who do life just like us. But we're saying, no, 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 our church exists for something more for our community, for the world, for something that's bigger than building our own little kingdom. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong impression in that uh, every Christian suddenly somehow has a new purpose that is activated in them, kind of like a Swiss that gets flipped as soon as you become a Christian. And somehow, all of a sudden, the light bulb goes, goes off and you begin to understand all of this. And I say that because some of you are thinking, ah, This part seems to be a little lagging in my life. I'm pretty happy with the other stuff. And this hasn't been animating in me yet. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Now, if you're feeling some of that, I hope the text that we have this morning helps you see something. Even the disciples had a hard time with this. And sometimes this is a very gradual thing. Because our text tells us what happened after Jesus was resurrected on that Easter morning. You know, and it says that he was with his apostles, his disciples, for 40 days, speaking to them about what? The kingdom of God. And after all of this training and time with Jesus, plus the three years they were with him, and as he is about to ascend into heaven, they ask Jesus one last question in verse 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I imagine that being one of the most frustrating moments for Jesus in his ministry, because the question is very revealing. 
their idea of Jesus's kingdom coming is still very geographically limited to Israel. And they're expecting an ethnically restricted kingdom. Do you see what's going on here? When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Only to the Jews. They didn't think the kingdom of God yet even applied to the rest of the world. They thought this was going to be it. They had no greater vision for God's kingdom. Very parochial, very narrow. And here's what I want us to see. In many ways, we aren't very different, are we? We want the gospel to simply bless our agenda and our story. And we don't actually want God to challenge us to give ourselves to God's kingdom. If we're pretty honest, I think that's where a lot of us end up being. Because that's pretty comfortable. You don't have to change a whole lot of things. You know, on paper, it sounds so noble to live for a story bigger than ourselves. Following Jesus means dying to ourselves and taking up his kingdom. And, you know, there's something selfless, exciting, romantic, and noble about living for a story bigger than ourselves. But deep down, this is what many of us are thinking here. Lord, don't pick me for that. Right? You know, it's the thing you hope others will do. Maybe your community group leader. You know, they're, they're spiritual. They're leaders. Maybe our elders, maybe our pastors. But while I follow my story and my dreams, I'm going to root for and pray for and even write the big check for those who go out and live for a story bigger than ourselves. This way I can partner with them from a very safe distance, but I want to live for my story. I want to live for my agenda, my family stories, because I've got this all mapped out and God, please, don't mess with this. Because our dreams are usually parochial, very narrow in scope, just like the disciples. And you know what Jesus says? He says, let me, let me remind you of the mission. Remember what I've been saying to you? Because what he says to them is nothing new. It's something he's been repeating over and over since the beginning of his ministry. It's not just sprung on them. You know, when you be, look back and look at Jesus' earthly ministry, and let's consider the Gospel of Luke, because we've been studying it for quite a long time. He preaches his first sermon in Luke 4 in Nazareth, and he quotes Isaiah 61, and he proclaims the kingdom of God. He reiterates his message here as he is about to ascend to heaven. And he's saying, look, you are going to be my witnesses. You are going to go out and tell people and explain to them what you've seen, what you've heard, what God is doing. That is your calling. So what is this kingdom? Some of you are asking, how are you talking about this? Well, we talk about it as it describing his rule and his reign, God's rule, God's reign. And Jesus has said, I've come to restore God's rule and reign and put things back to the way they were supposed to be. This is happening in us as we come to know Jesus. And this is now happening in our world as Jesus does his work of forgiving and renewing and rebuilding the world as his kingdom is coming. It's the restoration of all things, the flourishing of all things, wherever sin has shown up and has brought its impact upon the world. 
God is saying, my kingdom is coming to usher in a rule and a reign that will bring life and healing and wholeness and make the world as God had intended to be. And you see, the church exists for that reason. We don't exist just for ourselves, not just for our families. All those things are important. But to be an expression of God's kingdom here, a foretaste of that which is to come. And we talked about this at length last week. You know, this kingdom also has an ethic which Jesus fleshes out particularly in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this kingdom is to look a certain way. It's supposed to be countercultural. His people are meant to be different. Yes, we are in the world, but not of the world, but we are also for the world. So our attitude towards things like power, wealth, sexuality, the way you deal with those who wrong us, these are supposed to reflect God's values. And Jesus calls his people to say what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek God's kingdom first. And the mission is, again, the restoration of all things. You know, even in the Old Testament, if you go back to Jeremiah 29, this is the story of Israel. The Israelites who, are, who have sinned, and God is punishing them by taking them into captivity, into Babylon. And this is their worst nightmare because this, for them, this is the great, big, bad, immoral city. People who don't believe in God. And God says through Jeremiah the prophet, he's telling the people of Israel, I want all of my people to seek the shalom of Babylon. He said, settle down. You're going to be here a while. Become a part of this community. Make Babylon a better place. Blessed by your presence in it. And other prophets of Israel rose up and said, God doesn't like us here. He doesn't like these people. He's going to rescue us soon. So let's make sure we protect our children because we're the good guys. God is coming and we just need to stay separate and do our own thing. But they were there 50 years in Jeremiah 29, 7, he, Jeremiah tells the people, God has said, seek the peace and the prosperity of this city. The mission is seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city. To seek the welfare, not only of those who believe, but also those who do not believe in order that they would begin to experience the beauty and the power of God's kingdom, to be witnesses to this thing so that people would be able to see this is the God who the scriptures proclaim. You know what this means? That whenever someone comes to know Jesus and we become a citizen of his kingdom, our mission, our desires, our hopes, all of these things start getting transformed and become changed. You know, there was a young woman uh, years ago in the church I pastored in San Francisco. And she told me she moved to the city to pursue her dreams, to be successful, to be wealthy. And she was well on her way to doing that. She lived in Knob Hill. She had this really cool Porsche convertible. 
driving around the city, eating at the best restaurants, going on those amazing vacations, doing the San Francisco thing. And then you know what happened? Jesus got a hold of her life, and her life gradually began to change. Her ambitions became no longer that interesting. The professional and financial success, you know, really lost its luster. And she started serving regularly at a ministry called City Team with the Homeless. And eventually, she got so excited about that ministry, she quit her job and went to work full-time to serve the homeless population. And she found such joy, such joy in living for a story bigger than herself. You know, and, and I know what some of you are thinking right now because you're saying, Iron, I can barely make it through each day. You know, I'm, I'm treading water. I'm a mess. I can't do stuff like that. Again, that's for some people. That's not for me. You know, I, I'm glad that person did that, but I hope God doesn't ask me to do that. Some of you are saying, you know, I'm struggling with sin. You know, there's something that has a hold on me. And before I can go do anything related to God's kingdom, I need to clean up my life because I, I got, there's too much of a mess here. I'll get to that one day. Others of you are saying, I'm a new Christian. I mean, I don't even know enough of the Bible. I feel so ill-equipped. I don't like doing things I'm not good at. I like doing things that I'm very competent at. And the things the Bible are calling us to in living for a story bigger than ourselves, that makes me nervous because I don't like failing. You know, and for all of us who have all of these things which are legitimate and true, look, here's what I think God is trying to tell us in this passage this morning. You know what he first tells us? He's saying, hey, in verse 9, Jesus says, I am going to ascend. And that actually means something, you know? The disciples are saying, wait a second, wait, Jesus, so you're giving us this mission and you're not going to be here. And he's saying, that's exactly right. But don't think I've abandoned you because when it says he ascends, it means that Jesus is still at work because not only does he ascend, the the scriptures tell us what? He sits at God's right hand. He intercedes for us. And instead of him being with just a few physically, He sends the Holy Spirit into the world, right? So the Spirit of God is unleashed in the world that is not limited physically, but the Holy Spirit is now everywhere and with everyone who believes in him. So it begins to tell us we're not alone. This isn't us just having to go do all this stuff. God is with us in this mission. So when we feel inadequate, you got to remind yourself, no, no, no. God is going with us in our weakness. God is going with me as I have this very difficult conversation. God is going with me as I sit down with this person who is struggling deeply, and I don't know if I have the right words to say. And you begin to believe, God, I am going as an ambassador of yours in your spirit and believing that you are going to act. You see, and this is why it says in verse 8, the Holy Spirit will give you power. Power for what? So you can lift heavy things? No. You know, it's like the idea is the gospel is the power of God 
for the salvation of those who believe. The Holy Spirit gives us the power of the gospel, meaning you grow in this confidence of knowing the things that God has said is true actually are. And that these things are not just for me, that God is at work in the lives of those around us, and he wants these things to become evident to everyone. You know, and this is why, not only spiritually, but as a community, we look out into our surroundings and we say, hey, we need to turn the volume up on going because we might say, hey, what does it look like to live for a story bigger than ourselves? And for some of us, that means something bigger than just worrying about my spiritual development. Those are good things, but it also doesn't take away from the fact that God says part of the way you grow is actually by going. You know, all of these things go together, this gathering, growing, going. All of these things are not uh, just detached uh, kind of a step where it's like you do this one first, you gather, then you grow, and then when you've grown enough, you go. No, you do all of these in conjuncture and at the same time. We go because Jesus says, this is what I called you to do, to be my witnesses, to tell people, allow them to experience what the kingdom is like. You know, and that's what we've been doing as a church. We're trying to do this better. Um, Last fall, when we uh, hired Jacqueline to start our Grace Cares ministry, this is the thing we talked about. How do we help our congregation engage? Because I think a lot of you are saying, I want to engage, but I'm not really sure how. And the church is saying, we want to help you connect to be able to serve and have a vision for bringing God's kingdom through ministry and service, whether it's in our local community or even around the world. What a great response we had this past week for Serve SV. All the slots got filled. Why? Because people are saying, you know, I do want to go and see how I can be a part of expressing God's kingdom care into our community. I've been encouraged when I've seen people show up to support and pray for our Grace Global missionaries when they're visiting in town. Because we're saying they are out there serving and expanding God's kingdom, living for a story bigger than ourselves, and we're going to love and support them. And all of these small things in gathering and going are the ways through which God is saying, hey, live for something bigger than yourself because there is something in great joy that requires this, that people get to experience, to taste and see that God is really good. And I know, again, a lot of you are saying, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. Salvation, that sounds great. I want to be adopted into God's family. I want personal peace and blessing. But again, you keep saying, Lord, don't make me live for a story bigger than myself. Again, this is for professional Christians like you, Iron, or the missionaries who go off to a foreign land, or that woman from your old church. But I have dreams I want to pursue first. But my friends, you know, um, I've been reading this book that David recommended to me. I haven't finished it yet, so I'll uh, refrain from saying it was a fantastic book or something. But there's a quote in the front of your bulletin that I thought was really good that I got out of the book this week. 
And this is from Alan Noble, and the book is called You Are Not Your Own. And he says this, Belonging to God sets limits on our lives. Sometimes they are hard limits to bear. It is not easy to stand before God, even with grace. Moment by moment, we must set aside our sinful desires, even the ones closest to our hearts, to live sacrificially. I do not want to lie to you. This is a difficult life. You know, living for a story bigger than ourselves, it's not easy. I, I don't want to tell people that's an easy thing to do. I think it's incredibly difficult. I think the Bible recognizes that. I think this is one of the reasons why so many books are written about things like this. And people try to inspire you to say, hey, there's some great joy here. But here's what we need to understand about God's kingdom and how it works and why we are to follow. You know, the king has come to us and said, you know, I have come to bring healing and life into this world. And he's saying to you, you have had a foretaste of it. And now the job and the goal is simple. We are meant to be a witness to this incredible thing that God has given us. And this starts to become something that shapes everything we do and the way we think about our lives. And Jesus is just saying, you know, when you think about what it means to live for a story bigger than yourselves, think about your time. Think about your family. Think about your wealth. Think about your, uh, your ethic. Allow those things to be able to reflect what you have already received in Jesus because he has given you all things and given you a foretaste of the coming kingdom. And he's saying, now, go. Share this with others. Don't keep it to yourself. And that is part of how you grow. The more you do, actually, the incremental steps by which you actually go out to live for a story bigger than yourselves starts to allow you to say, this is pretty great. You take that first step, you give yourself a little bit, and you begin to see, you know what? He's right. The Holy Spirit was at work because that wasn't me. That's an amazing thing that happened. Here's something where God is showing up here. And we begin to see, and we begin to taste, and we begin to worship, and we begin to continue to push people to encourage, to say, look, come with us on this journey, because God is at work. Think about that this week, and let's go to him in prayer. Our Father, we come this morning asking you um, to do a work in our own hearts. Because what is true is uh, oftentimes our hopes, our dreams, our visions are parochial, it's narrow, it's for us. And we ask that we would grow in such knowledge and love of all that you have done for us, that you would reorder our lives so that we would seek your kingdom first, that you would set aside our fears and our worries, and to believe that when we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, as you promised, Lord Jesus, all these other things will be added unto us. Help us to be a community that reflects your kingdom. Help the uh, folks around us know more about Jesus and more about the gospel and about your kingdom because they encounter us. Not because we have it all together, but because you're doing something miraculous here in us 
And we ask, Father, that you would multiply that for your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen.